Okay. We're live. All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning into the Strong Com podcast. My name is Aaron Dunn, and we're going to talk strong communication, strong community building, and how those two things build strong company, whether that's the company that you're building or the company that you keep today. I'm fortunate to have a wonderful guest, a strong communicator, somebody who was recommended to me. So if you have recommendations, recommend them uh, as guests. I'd love to uh, meet people that I've never met before. This is going to be our first actual conversation, pretty much, and it's going to be recorded on air. So um, uh, that person is founder of the East Texas Stress Reduction Clinic. His name is Mr. Scott Martin. Hello, Scott. I'm great. I'm great. So I really appreciate you for you know coming here and doing this, having having a conversation. Absolutely. We so need, need more of those. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so for the people who never met you before, never looked you up, give us like two minutes of you know your background and where you're coming from right now. Uh, well, I'm, I'm 50 years old. I got, I have, I'm married with two kids. Uh, I've been a part of the Tyler community here since about 2010 in East Texas since uh, 2004. Um, I have a master's in clinical mental health counseling, and I specialize in stress reduction, trauma, um, and but what I love most is relationship transformation. And a lot of times the stress reduction and the trauma have a lot to do with how that actually shows up for people. Love it. Love it. And you just recently went to Sedona, is that right? I, I did. That was a little getaway for my wife and I, that that part of that romantic connection. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Because my wife and I have actually planned a trip to Sedona in October for our anniversary. That's so awesome. Would you recommend it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I recommend it for anybody. It's to, to, especially if you're living anywhere at all athletic where you like to do the trails and, you know, get out into nature. Absolutely. Y'all did some hiking and stuff? We did. We did. Uh, there's also something called Tachyon Wellness that there's a, a, a local, uh, Olivia, who owns that out there that we went to. If you have an opportunity to check that out, it's quite an experience if you know anything about Tachyon Energy, which I don't, but it was it was an interesting meditative experience. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. And so you do a lot. You, you cover a lot of bases, and I think we could have two podcasts, three podcasts uh, of conversation. Probably. Um, but, you know, I, I, I asked my... Facebook friends about stress reduction. So I think we'll want to just dive right into what that is about since, you know, that's a name of your business, mm-hmm. uh, East Texas Stress Reduction. Um, there's definitely a lot of stress out there, I would say. I've definitely experienced it. So in your view, what is stress? We've all felt it, but like what what is stress? Well, you know, be- before the show, we were having a brief conversation about this and, you know, we were talking about, you know, is stress good? Is it bad? And it's, it can be both. And we know that from an aspect of bad stress that, you know, over 75% of physician visits or are for some aspect of stress. And it's the number one killer at the moment, manifesting in a lot of different directions. But, you know, what's, what's good stress? And there's a kind of a saying in stress reduction that st- stress isn't harmful it's how we hold stress that's harmful and and so you know it takes a certain amount of stress for a seed to pop out of the ground and be able to grow also so it's a part of life being able to have that muscle resistance and you know testing ourselves against the environment uh, that is a good part of stress the bad part of stress is when we begin creating an incoherency in our life and our energy systems and our immunity systems in such a way that we're simply not accomplishing 
what it is that we want to in a way that flows in our life. Maybe that's a, a short take on it. <laughs> it's a short take. Yeah, it's a short take. One time I had this quote, I love quotes. And, uh, you know, as a writer, I've got a poetry background. So we're getting to know each other here too. That's awesome. Um, one, of the, one of the things that I, uh, I've said before is, you know, the, the, the tallest street, trees started under the dirt. Nice. You know, that, that stress and you just called that to memory. So, um, so, so there is good stress then. So stress is good. Stress can be good. Absolutely. It, stress can be good. There's good stress and bad stress. And what are some ways to handle that bad stress in like, what, what are some of the constructive ways? Like, let's, let's dive into the bad ways or perhaps we just dive into people manage stress in different ways. And a lot of times it seems as if we're told to manage stress in a way that is um, I, I take something or I ingest something. Um, sometimes it's exercise and things like that. But, you know, is it always good to like I, I know a lot of people, myself included, like, man, I'm so stressed. I want to go drink a beer. I'm stressed. I want to go smoke a cigarette. I'm stressed. I want, you know, people stress eat. Um, are those good things to do sometimes or is that always bad well if, if you look at stress as something that is an upregulated autonomic nervous system in other words we're going into fight flight or freeze in some way and and we're doing it in a way that is not sustainable like it's very it's good for us to be able to upregulate you know to be able to handle an emergency situation but then we want to be able to downregulate and and the problem with with humans as opposed to a lot of animals unless they've been trained by humans is that we have a prefrontal cortex that allows us to actually disappear into an abstract version of the past an abstract version of the future, and even an abstract version of right now. And even though we're in an illusionary reality, which can be very helpful for us, the body doesn't know the difference. And so we can be in an illusionary reality of the future, worried about being something suffering. Mm -hmm. And the body, the brain literally starts looking like that, like that already happened. So we begin having the neuroplasticity of a brain that believes that it's in that future state of suffering and the body responds to that. So, um, so, so you meant, you, you said fight, flight, or freeze. People are pretty familiar with, I think that it's kind of like that. And, and the image that came to mind was deer cotton headlights deer cotton where, headlights. where like, okay, I'm stressed. I don't know what to do. And I think a lot of people, myself included in times of stress, completely freeze. And they, you know, and in some ways, you know, the deer is like freezing and it's pretty much going to die, you know, if it gets hit by the truck, you know, and there's times where that's what it feels like is like that debilitating. I feel like I'm dead. Stress is, is, is part is, is yes, sometimes happens. in actuality, that freeze response can actually be a survival mechanism. And there's a, there's a story that we use in, when we discuss trauma, there's a leopard and an Impala and they're in the safari. And basically the leopard has captured the Impala. You know, the Impala is like a deer with the big, curly horns mm -hmm. and it hasn't done the death kill yet on the throat okay and so the impala has gone into freeze so it it, it literally it, it you it's heartbeat is you know everything it's breathing has gone down to really really shallow there's actual different types of hormones that have been released oxytocin that allows it to kind of surrender its spirit and it disconnects from the body it disconnects from its neural system and it, it allows it to die easier well this leopard has done this in baboon country 
And so the baboons are coming down from the trees going, we don't really like a leopard in the, this part of the country. And they chase that leopard off. And this is an actual YouTube video you can go to where you can watch it. And the, and the photographer, he's all over the place. And he goes back to that impala. It takes like three, four minutes. And he keeps watching it. All of a sudden, you see the belly of that impala go, and it starts taking big, deep breaths. And then it goes another two, three minutes. And the impala makes its way up to kind of a sitting position. And it begins just shaking violently. And then that kind of, you know, levels off. And he wobbles up to his feet and kind of shakes things off. And then he scampers off into the safari. Mm. So for an impala that doesn't have this advanced prefrontal cortex like we do, where we can be lost in the story, nature has a way that it automatically downregulates trauma. That's what happened right there. 15 minutes after being chased, you know, it's back to it's back to being grazing. But for humans, we we can be in this abstract world, which is great because it allows us to go, okay, here's the situation. How do we approach it? How do we go away from it? We can look at it 360 degrees and we can ask questions like, is there a better way? The problem is that we get lost in that abstract world and we get stuck mm -hmm. and the neurons that fire together wire together and we get caught in these patterns of homeostasis where we have a thought that drives an emotion and then an emotion that feeds back to the thought and, and we go into these cycles of habit and we become a, a program. And where people are suffering on an ongoing basis is because they're living in a program of, of homeostasis within their autonomic nervous system, and they're not inputting any new information. They don't necessarily know how. Mm. So locked in a program, locked in a habit, locked in a habit of, of stress. Suffering. How, suffering. Yeah, you said something really interesting in a previous conversation when we uh, first talked on the phone. You said something about pain pain and suffering you, you, yeah I, I really like to differentiate for people and to, to and when we use language we have to be careful because i use language a very specific way but like i recently met with another with another psychologist that that instructed me that the way that i was using the word trauma was not the way that they use the word trauma mm. i i use the word trauma kind of like you know a trauma mechanism and it's just a level of degree so i i like to use the distinction between suffering and pain and when we talk about that abstract story when we're lost in a story about our lives instead of being in the present now. And all of us heard about being living in the now, this type of thing. When we're lost in that story, <clears throat> there's an actual type of brain activity that's going on that is now being known as the default mode network. We've mapped that with fMRI brain scans. Mm -hmm. When we're in a present moment, not lost in a narrative, there's a different type of brain activity that's firing up, more known as the experiential mode. And so a big part of, for example, learning how to meditate, learning how to de-stress has to do with uh, knowing how to or practicing behavior of coming out of the story and into the present moment. And so when we talk about suffering and pain, specifically, I'm going to make a bold statement here, and that is that there is no suffering in the now. There is no suffering in the now. The suffering is in the story, all right? But there is there might be pain in the now. And pain in and of itself is a guide that tells us something needs attention. And so when we look at that, maybe in the scope of, say, for example, anxiety, when I have somebody that comes to me that has anxiety, one of the first questions that I ask is where, where in your body do you feel that? And the reason why I want to know where in the body is because we have an autonomic nervous system where we have hormonal centers where uh, we have a, a thought, it's a neurotransmitter, hypothalamus, Tertiary gland mm -hmm. releases a neuropeptide. It goes down through the central nervous system where it goes to hormonal center, where it transmits, broadcasts a message that we know as an emotion. And then we're 
watching the body and we go, what is that feeling tone? And boom, we've got to label it with that same story that we've been, you know, suffering around with for a while. And that's how we get this cycle kind of going where the thought drives the emotion, the emotion drives the thought. So if we can come out of that story and, and pay attention to where we're holding the story, then we can, we, there's a lot of really amazing information that shows up. Even though we're very subjective individuals with our own complex stories, there does seem to be some objective patterns that I've certainly witnessed with working in the, the jail systems, working with homeless veterans, working with a lot of different people that suffer from trauma and anxiety. Uh, some of those patterns are like this. If, if there's normally something in the head, you know, temporalis muscle, levator scapula, the world's in my shoulder, TMJ, this has a lot to do frequently, not always, with control or confusion. Like I'm confused and I have no control or I have no control. And so it can represent that particular way and have an autonomic nervous system response that upregulates in that area. You see frequently if someone has, you know, uh, sensations in the neck, um, like uh, choking or, or pressure. You see this a lot with childhood trauma, sexual trauma tr survivors where I, d I can't express what it is that I authentically want to say. Someone is not allowing me to authentically express something. We look in the chest and we see uh, anger being a tight band across the chest. And anger is always masking hurt underneath. So we can move to other areas of things that happen in the chest, for example, like heartache or heartbreak. And the science is really clear now. We have many studies showing that heartache or heartbreak is a signal from the brain into the vagus nerve and upper upper chest chest uh, upper digestive and it can feel like a giant gaping wound or a giant hole or an elephant sitting on your chest when your heart is broken there's a literal physical feeling of pain that is being represented within the autonomic nervous system mm -hmm. and then down here in the solar plexus I don't know how many guys that I worked with in the jail system where you know you see them very first session cross their arms going don't take my power so it was about it was about power. And so a lot of these things can can combine in these different layers. And what are they? They're defense mechanisms that we're hardwired to do in order to survive as a species. The problem is that we get lost in a story about our lives instead of actually being in our lives. And so when we when we talk about stress reduction, what we do is we introduce people to um, behavior patterns that they can begin practicing that can shift the way that they're holding their reality. Okay. Uh, yeah. I want to, I want to stop. I want to pause right there. I want to pause right there because you're, you're, you're excellent at communicating these things. And um, it, I can tell that they're all connected and you've kind of circled back in, in your explanation to that pain as a guide to where like, okay, well, if you, if you can identify where you physically feel that pain, you know, the, the brain as much as it feels as if we're kind of detached from our body in a way, like, cause we're always lost in this story that, you know, like I'm think, like, I'm not thinking about my toes. I'm, I'm engaging with you in communication. I'm talking to you. And so, but, but, but we can have that kind of disconnect, this mind body disconnect, but it's all integrated. I mean, it makes sense. If you think about it, you're like, duh, but, but it, it goes much deeper than that. If you're not aware of, what's actually happening and if you're just moving through life in a program kind of what you're saying so i, I wanted to kind of pause there uh, just a bit because yeah i can keep going on that one so. i know i want <laughs> no it's fine it's fine i just want to explore these things so if if somebody is 
so so you you mentioned you mentioned power you mentioned lack of control and these themes kind of came up to where you know when when i asked my audience you know what when are times that you feel stress you know what's you know what what questions do you have and things like that people said um i feel stress when i have responsibility but feel limited like i have limitations i don't i don't know exactly how to do it and nobody's telling me how to do it so i feel stress or I feel stress when I have to relinquish that, you know, responsibility to somebody else. And it's, it's hard to be a boss essentially sometimes, you know, I'm paraphrasing my friends here because I don't want to uh, like get lost in Facebook right now. But so what I just heard you say was um, someone said that they were stressed because they had a story of belief that they were limited in handling some responsibility in the way that their story and their rules about their life say that they're supposed to handle that particular situation. And so I'm going to use that as a first example. Um, in that example, there is what happens. And then there's our story about what happens. Mm. And so what happens, what is, is always neutral, always. Our story about what happens is never neutral. And one of the things that we can do in, in the way that we approach our stress is begin kind of separating these strands, these threads, and asking the reality of questions. Kind of like someone say, well, I, I'm stressed out because I'm just so stupid that I did this thing. Okay, so what what actually happened? Are you stupid? Like, can you go can you go get me a bucket of stupid? Is that something you can do for me? Is that real, mm. or or is it you did something? You had poor judgment. So are you stupid, or is your was your judgment lacking because of maybe your inexperience of something? So what happened? You made poor judgment. That's the reality. So there's what happened, and then there's our story about what happened. Mm -hmm. And and when we talk about, and I think you said force a little while ago. There, there's this concept of power versus force. All right, and and. We're, we're using an enormous amount of our life force uh, to be lost in, a, in the rules of our story. And when we say story, we're, we're, we're literally talking about an illusion. Like, can you be in the future at this moment? Mm -hmm. Can you? No. Can you be in the past at this moment? No. Okay. So what, what actually we know for sure is the only thing that actually exists. Right now. So when's the, where's the only place that you actually need your power? Right here. But yet our story of suffering always has to do with who we are in the future. Always. There's, there's no except Even if something bad has happened to us mm -hmm. in the past, it's about who we are in the future and whether or not we believe that we're suffering now. Mm. It's fear. It's, it's, it's absolutely fear. It's also, I mean, there's, there's unworthiness, there's unforgivability. There's a lot of different right, patterns. Right. right. I feel this way up. because, and I will always be, it's kind of that, that type of question that people <clears throat> get trapped in. Yes, and those, so I'm, I'm going to give you a radical example of how we can regain power over our stress. Okay, so let's say that somebody has cancer. All right, let's just go to like an I and let's say I'm the person that has cancer and I do not want cancer. Mm -hmm. All right, and I am I am absolutely resisting cancer. Okay. Yeah. And who would ever want cancer? Like, well, I mean, that's everybody, right? Everybody, right? Anybody so, that gets so it. So you don't have a choice about that, right? Mm -hmm. And so you don't have a choice, but yet you're resisting something you don't have a choice about, right? So what would happen? This is a radical question, but I want you to stay with me for a minute. What would happen if you chose cancer? What would be the benefit to you if you chose cancer? And what I want to uh, introduce here is this concept is that we often get stuck in this concept that if we choose something, that we're stuck with it. And, and what I want to present is that if we're resisting something that we have no choice about anyway, then we are actually using a part of our life force to resist something that we have no control over. And so if we were... Let's, let's, let's 
say that again let's let's go yeah so so <laughs> okay. if we choose something if, if we willingly choose something that's a that isn't a radical example of choosing cancer yeah, like I, I like told you it was a radical like 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 saying instead of f pushing against what's actually happening right and saying i have cancer right this is this is it Th and, this is what's and, happening to me right now so here's the misunderstanding the misunderstanding is that if in this moment in mm -hmm. the now if mm -hmm. i choose something that i do not want that i have no choice over anyway then I'm stuck with it. And what I'm suggesting is if you choose what you can't control anyway, then you, instead of resisting the force of your life force that you were using to resist, you get to get back. Now, what would you like to do with that power? Hmm. Would you like to maybe create something that moves you out of the situation that you're in at the moment? Mm -hmm. Okay, so where is that power being taken out of? Well, is it possible that it's being taken out of your immune system? Because the brain, if it thinks that it's being attacked by a tiger. Does it care about the immune system or is it going to pump blood into the arms and legs to get us out of there? Mm -hmm. And so when we're in stress and for, for human beings, we have the ability to create a thought that puts the body into a state of stress that it's not actually in just through the power of thought. And so do you believe, Aaron, that the thoughts that you have create who your destiny? Wholeheartedly. Okay. And so if we have the ability to have a thought that creates suffering, and, and we now know, the science is really clear, we, we literally are creating a brain state where the brain now resembles, if we're worried about something in the future, the neuroplasticity of the brain begins changing and it becomes the brain of the future that's in a state of suffering, even though we're not even in that future yet. Okay, let me ask you. So it's kind of like mind over matter. It absolutely is mind over matter. In that way. So, so, but, but it's not about accepting that reality as much as it is using that energy to propel you out of it. Is that, it, it, maybe it, I'm not saying that yeah, it's, quite right. It's but, tricky. It's complicated. Yeah. Because, it? because, because, you know, it, if we use the cancer example, you know, it's all about fighting it. It's all about fighting it. But in you to, to fight it, you're saying to fight it successfully, you have to accept that it's there. You can't just say, no, this is not happening to me. Right. And in, in the stages of healing, three three very, very important mm -hmm. parts is that we become aware of it, that we acknowledge it, and then that we accept it in order for us to move into a place of transformation. And so those are three very, very different stages. And when we talk about, for example, mental emotional health, you know, a, a common uh, coping mechanism is to look away. Like I'm aware that there's a whole bunch of stuff in my background I probably need to deal with, but I don't want to. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go, what am I going to do? I'm going to use a coping mechanism. What's the coping mechanism? I'm going to numb myself. I'm going to use a drug. I'm going to use food. I'm going to use sex. I'm going to use something mm -hmm. that basically if we have this much pain, we normally need this much comfort. Mm -hmm. And and then the question becomes, are you using sustainable coping mechanism or an unsustainable one that won't, that won't work for you long-term? Mm -hmm. And, and as we look at those, and if we say we don't want to use an unsustainable coping mechanism, then what's our only option in that model? We have to look at the pain. And so it's it's turning towards the pain, looking at what's actually there, and acknowledge it going, okay, I'm looking right at you now, okay? Mm -hmm. And then the next part is accepting what that is. Now, do not be confused that accepting means settling for. Absolutely. Right. There, there goes the, the language again. Yeah. Where, where accepting. It's important. If you use the wrong language or the wrong person, they really will balk in a certain way. So we really have to find the juicy words for the individual. It is so important that we mm -hmm. speak their language. Nelson Mandela, if I if I give you information in, in my language, it goes to your head. If I give it to you in your language, it goes to your heart. Mm -hmm. So the path of the healer in, in these new techniques that we've discovered in the last five to 20 years 
absolutely is finding the right language for the person to speak that language. Yeah. Yeah. It, because, and I'm sure you do this in your work and just getting to know somebody and helping them navigate, because I, I think there's people who will initially react negatively to somebody to, if, if you were to speak strongly into, you know, Hey, that's not real. Whatever you're feeling, it's the story you're telling yourself. I'm sure there's people that would push back and say, you're not being empathetic to right. how I feel right now. And if now. that's the you're only being sound a jerk. bite of this that we capture, then I'm in trouble, right? <laughs> I mean, it absolutely is. You're absolutely correct. I mean, it really does make a difference. How you hold people matters. How you how you talk to them, how you hold them, the way, you know, I, I was trained in mindfulness-based stress reduction, and I was very fortunate to um, go to a, a program in Switzerland with John Kabat-Zinn, who was the creator of that program. And I, I remember, uh, you know, the, the process of me learning how to not just practice, but to teach mindfulness, because in the very beginning, I wanted to teach the philosophy of mindfulness, you know, and there's a very, there's a very big, dif- there's a very big difference between the language of the mind and the language of the body. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, you know, there was a, there was a moment where he, he really, three-dimensioned out how you hold people. There was a woman that we'd just done a, an exercise and she had some issue. And I wish I remember what it was, but her children had some sort of disease. And her, her husband was a father, uh, was a doctor. And she was expressing her pain going, look, this is what my situation. And because my husband didn't sign them up for this experimental method, they're going to have this horrible disease for the rest of their life. It was just a horrible story. And I remember John stopping for a moment and saying, I want to listen to myself. You know, he's in his seventies now. And he, and he's like, after he pauses for a little bit, he says, you know, I've never been through anything like this. I have nothing to, to know a similar experience. And, and I, I don't know what it is that you're going through. I wonder, and there's 350 people in this room, right? I wonder if all of us could just stop for a moment and be with you with this. And, and the cooking that happened in that woman at that moment, the, the internal, um, breakdown of what she had been holding because she was there with people who cared and who were, they weren't there to fix anything because it wasn't anything to fix. It was just uh, another person having the human experience and someone was there to witness it and to support that and to hold that space for somebody. So you asked me earlier, are there, are there good ways and there bad ways to hold stress? Yeah. Just like there's good ways and there's bad ways to hold people, no matter how right you are about what will or will not work. If you can't meet the person where they're at in a compassionate way, holding space for them, giving them the free will to look at these options of how they're doing things. And even as we even as we we show them these distinctions going, look, is it true that you could just you know look at the sun instead of the cloud? Oversimplification, oversimplification. Uh, yes, it may be, but it, it has to be within their choice and and how they choose to move forward into that perception. If we shift perceptions, yeah, we can change everything, but it's always a choice. And that is the, that's the dilemma of the healer helping show people what's possible while also meeting them where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's all of it. Like I think about, um, you know, I think in, you know, I, in, in my work, my line of work is, is marketing and, and things like that, getting the right message to the right person at the right time, essentially. And, you know, in, in what, where your line of work is transformational, personal breakthrough, right? Mine's kind of like transformational business breakthrough, you know, but it, it, you know, you, you have to reverse engineer what's happening in the environment. And I think about it in terms of context, like what's, what's happening and you have to really get a, good understanding of what's happening around somebody and then kind of 
go in and in and in and in and in until you have a really intimate understanding of this is the moment that they're in. So you can take them to that next moment that they need to be, you know, it's, it's stepping stones almost. It's it. And I've, I've been recurring to this, you know, just life teaching me that it, this is all uh, evolution. It's not, it's not like I, I, I used to really draw to the metaphor of a mountain of like conquest, like the peak, you know, and like, how can I get this to, from the summit to the peak, you know, but um, in, I'd like to change that metaphor to being the mountain and providing safety and defense and and a place for people to be free to rest against you whenever they need to that is the most powerful thing that is that is incredible but allow them to be free absolutely but provide that shelter when they need wow, it that's when awesome. they choose to need it that's the that is in a breath that is the message of authentic masculinity for me that's awesome I, I'm gonna have to like meditate on that and listen to this podcast again. <laughs> well, you know, because because I you know you you just took me to another level because I was I was gonna say, you know, I, now I'm learning to just be on the mountain, and just and just enjoy the path, you know, not necessarily covet the summit, you know, and just walk, and 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 just and just be and breathe the air, you know. You're telling me to be the mountain, so you know. What I mean, you just you just leveled me up a couple notches of like, oh, okay, that's the perspective switch, you know. So I thank you for that. That's that's incredible. Um, and so I, I don't want to uh, interrupt, I guess, because um, I really appreciate what you just did. You know, you like it's it's an unlock, but it's power. That's why I do this because I think that this type of communication, this type of intentional. Um, look at the human experience is so powerful and i think you know i've i've found my way and navigated through writing that's been very helpful for me in terms of processing things instead of reacting to things you know because you you know when you write something you really have to be in the moment you know you have to be one with the letters that you're writing on the page you know so um how what what are some other ways that that people can constructively navigate their own their own personal mountain as, so as I, I think if i had if i had a mission um here whenever i'm talking to anybody it would be to really to really educate people on what's actually possible and and one of the things that has really shifted in the last five to twenty years is we know more about the brain and the neural system than we ever have before, and and just to give you one highlighted study, fifty-seven veterans with post-traumatic stress disorder did six group sessions uh, with one particular modality, one particular technique, and there are now quite a few different techniques. After those six sessions, over 87% of those veterans no longer met the criteria for symptoms of PTSD. That study's been duplicated now. That That is with a very specific modality called emotional freedom technique, technique EFT, also known as tapping. There are now somata techniques, uh, EMDR, uh, eye movement desensitization reprocessing, where we identify the difference between the language of the mind and the language of the body, meaning a negative cognition is normally the way that we're holding who we feel we are with, with commonalities of um, something we know is not true, but it feels true, or vice versa, something that we know isn't true, but it like whatever the flip of that is. And so there's a difference between <clears throat> what we feel about ourselves and what we know about ourselves. And so when we can, through detective work, identify those moments, 
we're identifying how the body is holding that. And, and the golden mental understanding here of mental emotional health, the golden rule is that we do not have any painful thoughts. We have thoughts in the system that then sends a signal into the autonomic nervous system where we then experience uncomfortability or pain within the physical body. Yeah. And if you can learn how to go into the body to work with down-regulating the way that you're holding that story, yeah. the thoughts and the emotions will come rapidly and we can heal. And one of the examples and we talk about anxiety is we have a lot of doctors out there that are giving, you know, they're giving anxiety medication that affect GABA. You know, it's a inhibitory. It, it, it decreases. I use this example of, you know, when we're on a Texas highway, you know, as an example, and you go past that white line, there's something that's called a rumble strip right there. Do you know yeah. what that is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the purpose of a rumble strip here? To wake you up. To wake you up. So it's actually a signal from the road that's telling you that you're going out of homeostasis and now you're in yeah. danger of what? You're, we're get, we're get, crashing. Okay. We're getting back into pain as a guide. Exactly. And so now if we, if we say that we hold anxiety in different parts of the body, then if we pay attention to that, what is it telling us? It's telling us what's going on. And so if we then take a drug that kills that signal, what have we just done? We've just killed the rumble strip. What have we just increased our odds of doing? Mm-hmm crashing yeah because we don't have any signals anymore and so how are you disconnecting from your life how are you disconnecting from what you feel you know when we talk about processing grief they always said well you have to feel you have to go through it what does that even mean and a big part of it is it, it, it's a dance with focus language and structure you know cognitive therapy is coming in through thoughts we're identifying uh you know these distorted cognitions and we're challenging those all right and one of the reasons why it doesn't work for so many different people is because there's a lot of intelligent people that are just really good at arguing with themselves and if we stay only in that narrative only in that cognitive ability and we never drop down into bottom up not top down processing but bottom up processing where we say look i i, I have this issue this is what the issue is this thing happened to me and i'm holding it here every time i remember it well where's here well, maybe that's in the chest. Maybe that's in the belly. Maybe that's in the neck. I don't know where it is for that individual, but I guarantee you there's a place in their body that they're not holding it. And isn't mm. that interesting information? And this begins this process where we begin having a conversation with ourselves, where we begin talking with the parts that are holding something and the parts that aren't holding something. And what we're not doing is we're not in the story repeating that where the body's just representing that homeostasis. Love right? it. Love it. So yeah, you're, you're, you're anchoring yourself back into the now by focusing on your body, this physical manifestation of who you are at this moment. So we have somatorespiratory integration. We have techniques that use these different combinations of bringing our focus to how we're holding the language of the story in the body. And when you are stuck in one of those three, that triad of change. Yeah, you said focus, language, structure. Structure, meaning physiology of the body. When you're stuck in one of those, if you can bring movement to the other two, you will get movement in the other one. Say that again. Structure. Yeah. Focus, language, structure. Mm-hmm. It's a dance that if you can, if you're stuck in one, if you bring movement. If you, so if you're stuck in, if you're stuck in focus, I'm focused on the stress that I have in the moment. Okay. But where, where are you feeling that in the body? Okay. 
Okay. So I just brought you out of the story asking you that question. Yeah. See, I just brought you from focus okay, so down yeah, to. Okay. So you just did it. Boom. <laughs> right. Just like it really is. Yeah. It really is just like yeah. that. And so, yeah. what's the yeah. language of that? Okay. Well, so is it the language of a so story? So structure is is the the body part. It's the physiology of the body. Okay. The so autonomic nervous system, which okay. is a representation okay. of your emotions, which are a history of our past. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, it's like it's, you're you're a mindfulness dictionary. It's 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 fantastic. So, but but, mindfulness. but um, yeah. Go ahead. I, well, it, it's awesome. I love mental models. Like I love these type of things because they are transformational. They like they give you context. They give you tools. These are tools that people can use to help navigate the life itself. And I I just think it's super powerful. Well, then remember that one. That tree out of change, focus, language, language structure. Because if you really really examine that, yeah, it explains why every modality of healing actually. So works. give me another example. So like language, what? How does it? How does that manifest? Okay. Well, um, your suffering is it what is, or is it the story about what is? And so when you begin examining that, it's kind of like, well, I'm really really stupid. Okay, again, give me a bucket of stupid. Like, is that real? Like there's, there's questions, there's mindful inquiry that you can ask about the, how you're holding your story. Like, let's give a common example of how people are stressed. So did you get any of those? Like in relationships, that's a good one. Let me, uh, let me look at it. I'll just say a husband and wife. Cause you know, we have the workshop tomorrow. It's all about relationships. Right? Yeah, let's do that. So husband and wife, you know, you, yeah, let me, let me think, let me think of my, you know, yeah, like, go ahead, like, give me like, like it could be, uh, let's see, you know, one, uh, element of stress. I left the lights on. I left every single light on in the house today when I walked in the, in, in, in the house. I don't know if that's like, so who was stressed about that? You or her? M my wife. She was stressed about that. Maybe. I mean, I mean, she was just like, you, you, you left all the lights in the house. That's dumb. Okay. So yeah. what does it mean that you, that you left all the lights in the house on? It means that I'm careless. Okay. What or, or, or not aware. I was, I was not. So this attention. is a question I would have for your wife and I, I'd, I'd be very careful trying to answer for her, but yeah. Uh, what, what does it mean about her that you left the lights off? Oh, yeah. I'm not going to make that guess. I don't know. But you, it's a, it's an important question because yeah. I mean, because what we're asking, if she's stressed about something, then mm -hmm. we want to know there's what happened. And then there's her story about what happened. I would imagine it's something along these lines and I'm just, I'm going to guess, and I may be very wrong. Sure. And I apologize no, Sarah, if I am, <laughs> uh, but it would this be, he's careless. He's not prioritizing the needs of the family. And then he therefore doesn't care about us that he doesn't care about me and sure. that means that i'm not worthy and therefore and that's the that's the literal line of of thought now is right now what's but the that reality? happens in like a nanosecond right yes like absolutely. that's the reaction that's right reaction. like, like yeah. it's so it's almost unconscious and there's all kinds of stuff like that so what do we want to do we want to stop breathe uh -huh. we want to ask questions of focus language and structure because the space between the stimulus and the reaction is the space that allows us the freedom victim frankel you know oh, it, it, and and so switching from a reaction to a response right having being able to go this is an emotional refractory period how long does it take for an emotion to go through the body 40 50 90 seconds like tops unless you continue having the same thought mm -hmm. and so to be able to educate people that we can do things that can decrease our emotional refractory period and when we begin doing that and practicing that guess what the neurons that fire together wire together and it becomes a part of our normal regimen our normal it becomes natural for us to be able to do that mm. So when we talk about stress reduction, we're talking about conditioning yourself into new habits. And, and we've pretty proven in a lot of different areas that within 21 days, you can, you can 
create almost any kind of habit. Mm -hmm. But but actually, we've seen where we can do it even in intensives that we do in three, four days with people in the way that we're processing, the way that we've been holding the story. And people are, are pretty fair when you really are able to examine the distinctions of how they've been holding this, the story of illusion. Because there are ways that you can test reality. Uh, they're like, well, gosh, that is really, it's kind of stupid that I'm holding it that way, right? Because wh why would you want to? If, if you, if you, we're using your power to resist something that you had no control over anyway. Mm -hmm. If you could grab that power back, let me ask everybody in your audience, is there anything you'd want to do with that power? Is there anything that you'd want to be able to have more energy for? Is there anything else that you want to create that you want to show up in your life? And so do you want to be present or do you want to be lost in a story of the suffering of your life? Mm -hmm. And so here's the question. If you want to be really, really good at playing guitar, what do you do? Practice. If you want to be really, really good at playing tennis, and you know, you want that muscle memory with that backhand and you just want it to come automatically. What do you practice? Do? If you want to be really, really present in your life and not lost in a story of your life, what do you do? Got to practice. You got to practice. Presence. Presence. So I, I want to, I want to invite you to, we got the workshop tomorrow night for divine relationships where we talk about uh, uh, attracting, creating and healing our divine relationships. And there, there's just so much more about that, about how we have complementary wounds. But a number one aspect is, Choosing to be present and not for, with your spouse, as an example. Yeah. Decide to be present with what is with your spouse. Yeah, because that's so and, easy to and do. And not in the story. Yeah. It's, it's, well, it's easy to not be. Oh, my God. We have a big, huge target. On My wife has a target. I have a target. It's so easy for us to project onto that significant other. It's just really, really easy for all mm -hmm. of us. Mm -hmm. So it's something that we, we have to choose to proactively create a new behavior on. Amazing. Very, very interesting and uh definitely worth diving into uh when you say divine what, what why why divine uh, i say divine because i believe that there are you know very specific patterns that exist that a lot of us don't really pay attention to and for me um it, when we talk about uh, divine for me it's it's the aspect when we talk about religion about spirituality you know there are many candles but there's only one flame uh, is about the, is the way that I would metaphorically kind of take a look at that. And I'm, I'm, I'm real big on people falling in love with the divine, whatever that means for you. And, mm -hmm. and, and I think it's almost a soul sin to ever try to take someone else's belief away as well. But what I mean by divine is that there are patterns, for example, masculine and feminine energy, which, you know, we don't, we don't hear a lot about in, in society, but we certainly have heard about, you know, some of the offset uh, negativities of that. Like for example, masculine toxicity yeah, yeah, uh, and, yeah, yeah, and the yeah, hashtag me too movement. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a confusion about that, that a lot of people don't really understand what authentic masculinity and authentic femininity is and that's what we're going to talk about in the workshop tomorrow night because i think that when you really do understand these patterns suddenly there are some very clear distinctions where you begin realizing that we're actually attracted to our mates because they give us every the the best chance of healing our past childhood and emotional wounds mm -hmm. and the way that they do that is normally by triggering every single one of them in some way. And when you realize that there are complementary wounds that are, that are happening, there are very specific patterns. And we can take these patterns and we can throw them up on a wall and we, we can become allies against the pattern instead of being lost in that fight with a 300-pound gorilla, uh, me being the 300-pound gorilla, over and over and over again. Um, so I think it's important to understand, like, what is a defense mechanism? Uh, how does polarity of masculine and feminine energy work? What's toxic? What's not toxic? Women, for an example, in this current society, um, a lot of them have learned that uh, they, they have to protect their own heart because they haven't learned that men will. 
and and that's you know not protecting a woman's heart that's that's kind of the definition of toxic masculinity and so you know we talked about the mountain a minute ago mm-hmm. that's a great metaphor for for authentic masculinity it's somebody that shows up they they take big things and make them smaller they they're present they're not going anywhere there's something that uh, um Feminine energy can always lean back uh, against. And, and when we say energy, I really want to be clear here that we're talking about characteristics. We're not necessarily always talking about gender because in, in the broad scope of a bell curve, we have our outliers of trans and homosexual. And, and, and what an individual's core is uh, really is like they decide that, right? I'm, I'm not here to tell anybody who they are. What I'm here to do is just show how characteristics can metaphorically work together and see whether or not these patterns make sense to you. And if they do, then you might want to come take a look at how those patterns work. Are there always exceptions to the rule? Absolutely, we want to make sure that we make that disclaimer right off the bat. But if if a woman uh, that has a core of feminine energy, as an example, and what is feminine energy? Let's 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 explore that just a little bit. Oh my God, it's it's the flower petal to the storm and everything in between. It's movement. It's dance. It's freedom. It is. It's it's wild. It's 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 the ability to receive. Women nurture. That's what they do. It, it's, mm. it's a part of their makeup. And I love this story. If you put a man and a woman with a child on a plane and they're going overseas and, and the baby, and they're both very loving, engaged parents, but the baby has, you know, some sort of digestive issue. One of the parents stays up all night with the child. Which one is that, Aaron? It'll be the woman. So you didn't even hesitate. Most people, there's some people that fight me a little bit on that one, but it, most I mean, people answer that because it is natural feminine energy. I, I wish that we were that way, but normally the only time we engage is if we're doing our job. And what is our job? Our job is to protect her heart. Right. That's the job, to protect her heart. How? Mentally, emotionally, physically, sexually, financially, in all ways. Now, does that mean that a man has to provide for the woman? No, a modern woman doesn't even necessarily need that. It means that she trusts him in every single one of those categories. So, you know, at this moment, if you're out there and you're struggling in your relationship, well, one, I want to invite you to the, to the workshop so that you can come, you know, hear a little bit more at Be Free Yoga and Tyler. But here's your job. Protect your heart. That's the job. You don't want the job. Like, that's the job. That's your number one priority. That's the job. And and everybody can say Scott told me that's what your job was. Like mm-hmm. it, it truly. You're talking is. to the men there. Absolutely, talking yeah. to the men. That's yeah. your job. But the flip side of that is that it, there's a polarity that occurs whenever we've had trauma or emotional conditioning in some way to where we go into defense mechanisms. So for for example, feminine energy, they they defend their heart. Well, what does that do? Well, it puts on a masculine mask. Okay. I, I follow. I follow. What's the inverse? And I'm just curious. So, so if if the men's response, man's responsibility is to protect the heart, the what's the inverse that the woman is to receive? To receive. And quite honestly, it's it's her natural place. But here here's a here's a good metaphor. Um, and and again, w- when we use these metaphors, we're using we're using uh, patterns that are frequently helpful in describing things, but don't get offended by that. There's always exceptions like use the pattern. If it doesn't work for you, the first thing I want to do is I want to give you permission to throw it out and, and, and not get offended by us trying to use metaphor to describe something that's kind of a pattern in in society. Okay. So um, the, the inverse of, of that masculine mask is uh, that women frequently have an internal energy, like a nest, a womb, right? And so they, they nurture everything normally that's within their circle. And it's a very organic process. It's amazing. It, it you know, if you give woman a, a feminine energy uh, groceries, they make a, a meal. If you give them sperm, they make a baby and these type of things. I mean, yeah, my, mom, uh, my, my, my wife's making a garden. And we're not, we're not saying men goes, can't do that. We're not, not. 
we're, we're saying that we, we have access to both of these, but mm -hmm. most of the time we, we have a core. Uh, so what is masculine energy on, on a female? Well, a lot of times it's engaging and kicking ass in different ways that um, they, they certainly can. Absolutely. In fact, I've, I've kind of discovered that women are actually normally better at being men than men are in this current society in a lot of different ways. And, you know, a lot of people may disagree with the, the way that I'm presenting this. And if so, then come well, it's, have it's, a conversation it's all, with It's me. all context, right? right? Yes. And, and don't worry, I won't like soundbite you to... <laughs> to the mob of the internet or anything like that but but yeah it's all in context and 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 you're just taking the the broad um information that's available the patterns that have been you know um that that have been observable for our human experience you know and trying to and, and make sense of those and, and that's actually a really that's a really good way to say that because there is actually a pattern that's kind of existed if we go back 100 years we had two major wars we had a whole bunch of other wars as well. And in those scenarios, there's, there's a lot of men that went away. And in those scenarios where men went away, there's a lot of those men that died. And of a lot of the men that came back, a lot of those men were not able to come back fully mentally and emotionally. And so we have generations of men that were not present. And in those situations, we have generations of really heroic women that stepped up to take on that masculine energy. And they, they did a really good job. But we already know that we inherit the the traumas of our parents and a lot of, we can look at Holocaust survivors, children of children of Holocaust, and they're, they're prone to PTSD and anxiety because mm -hmm. they went through the same trauma. Mm -hmm. No, because it was modeled to them in a lot of different ways. The same mm -hmm. way that a phobia of a bird can be passed on to a, to a child because of the mom's reaction to, well, you know, those geese at the UT Tyler pond, they are kind of mean. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so, but that's how that, that gets created. Right, right. And so if you have, you know, masculine mass that's there as a survival mechanism, and, and it's supposed to be a reserve tank, right? And and to have access to it. And, you know, I have to have access to feminine energy or, or a lot of my female clients, they wouldn't even talk to me also. Like in a, an enlightened society, we, we certainly have a balance. But if you really truly want that chemistry, mm. you know, as opposed to just, you know, having a core masculine energy and then a core masculine with the feminine, instead of being just good friends, like right. really have that sexual chemistry, there has to be a polarity showing up there in some way and mm. and what we can do is we can throw a pattern up there and we can show you how it's showing up for your life and the more important aspect is we can show you what created that and how you melt that and so what is it that needs to be melted well we have an upregulated autonomic nervous system that has become a part of our identity because neurons that fire together wire together, wire together. and so with if if we upregulate because we need to protect ourselves and we get we we grab control mm -hmm. being upregulated well mm -hmm. we like control mm -hmm. right but just because we have control and we're happy with where we're at being able to control doesn't mean that we're back down in our authentic state of flow completely relaxed where it takes no effort to be us we are actually using that life force to be in that defensive position because we've had to and so that then becomes our new our new place of homeostasis it becomes our new personal reality it becomes our personality and so when we redirect how people are holding their story in the body and show them how to process that, trauma-releasing exercises, TRE, SRI, somatorespiratory integration, SE, somatic experiencing, mm -hmm. EMDR, uh, eye movement desensitization reprocessing, uh, EFT, uh, emotional freedom technique, uh, focusing. So in the 1970s at the So those are all tools that you... Tools. Look them up. They're, they're, these Google are tools them. that you just kind of you, you you help people navigate through. So you 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 pretty much do a, a diagnostic and say, okay, this is what's going on. Okay, I think we need to go with the EFT for this person right here. Or, and it is or it is a, it is, it like is a dance absolutely with yeah. the individual because people respond to different things, and we now know why 
even the somatic techniques of trauma processing don't work as well. Mm -hmm. Like it, what's crazy is that we now know how to help people heal, but the time period that it takes from the research that we have that's proving it to mainstream implementation is like 15, 20 years. It's insane, right? But here's the reason why even these techniques sometimes don't work. Everyone has a range of stress resilience. When you go outside of your range of stress resilience, you become overwhelmed. It's very difficult to pay attention. If you're not present, you can't process trauma. Mm. So you have to know that that's one of the things that I educate my clients on because we want to make sure that right off the bat, we're kind of measuring subjective units of distress. We're, we're measuring how they're holding and we want to make sure that we give them first foremost with every one of these modalities, we create a place of safety and you give them tools of safety and you give them control of how they process. So just because we have all these modalities doesn't mean you just go in there and go, okay, we're going to start lifting this weight. Yeah. You, you have to give the person a realm of safety to where they feel comfortable in a place of presence and you teach them how to be present. Yeah. Why do we teach them how to be present? Because they've already gained a whole bunch of coping mechanisms of not being present because guess what? That's where the pain is, is in the present, in the body. Right. And it's, it's, it's pretty well unconscious. And so why do people struggle with meditation, practicing mindfulness? People, they, all the time, they look inside their brains and they go, oh my God, it's such a mess in here. I'm just really, really bad at this, right? And what are they actually saying? They're saying, I have a range of stress resilience that I just went out of and I'm overwhelmed and I, 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 I'm, I'm averted to this, mm -hmm. right? So what do we need to do? Before we tell them to go into their body and start paying attention and feeling things, we need to give them tools to downregulate the autonomic nervous system. So, for example, emotional freedom technique. This is acupressure. Okay. So, acupressure has now been proven to create a neurological activity in the prefrontal cortex, right? That basically, and in, in the way that it was introduced, at one point it was introduced with Chinese meridians, and, and that's that's fascinating stuff. But let's let's go to more of a scientific theory of what we're doing when we input a physical stimulus is we're putting focus on structure while we're focused on what the trauma is. When we do that, we create a space for there to be a downregulation of the neural network of upregulation. And so all we need to do is shift the way our autonomic nervous system is downregulated, just like uh, the, the Impala was able to do in 15 minutes by shaking and, mm -hmm. and tremoring and getting that and resetting that neural system. With human beings, we have that amazing prefrontal cortex that allows us to stay in the story. And so we have a belief system about how things are supposed to be. And so we don't get in touch with the body that's actually designed to downregulate and heal. Oh, we, we get yeah. in our own way of our own healing. Mm. Mm. I love it. I love it. Uh, when, uh, yeah. Awesome, man. Awesome. We're at uh, 54 minutes. It's usually like an hour. <laughs> yeah, so okay. we're kind of going into uh, kind of wrapping up. Um, I, I know people will take value away from this conversation Absolutely. because, because, you know, I, I hope they take away what's possible. The, I love the what's possible and, and it's definitely possible. Whatever you're going through is possible to, to break through. And, um, you know, as long as you have somebody, you have a guide essentially to help navigate, it sounds like, um, and, and you, 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 you're aware of these types of techniques. You don't have to be locked in, you know, to, to, the story no, there's there's a like lot of techniques that here locally in east texas and in, in tyler if you are suffering there are now quite a lot of therapists locally that are trained in emdr you can go to psychology today mm -hmm. you can look up emdr 
In fact, one of my good friends, Kristen Bedevian, uh, just set up her new You're office. friends with Kristen? Absolutely. Love I, her okay, so Kristen uh, is wonderful. Yes. Shout out to her. And because she recently, I, recently was trained in EMDR also. Perfect. So she's a trauma awesome. specialist. I love Absolutely. it. I love it. Because uh, I went to church. At her, her, uh, yeah, I, I met her through um, her father's a pastor. And she, you know, came through my town when I was graduating high school. So it was like our senior year, essentially. It, one of ours. I, I can't believe it. Yeah. I can't really recall immediately, but yeah, that's how we cross paths first. And, uh, she's been, um, she's, she's wonderful. So we went through our master's program together. Yeah. Awesome. So I've known her for a while. So I also want to give a shout out to Samaritan counseling center of Tyler. They, they also have uh, several different therapists. I need to have her on here. Yeah, you absolutely do. Especially with the new, with their new practice over there. Absolutely. We need to have her on here. So shout out. Hi, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, man, this is just a, a, a a, a great conversation. I really appreciate your time and coming on here to kind of uh, get the awareness uh, out that, that these things are available because I think it is top of mind for a lot of people in the culture of today of like, how do I navigate? Because it's really, really hard. And especially since we have millions of impulses every single day, you know, in addition to everything else. And then there's like comparison. That's a whole nother conversation um, that, you know, it, 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 it's no more needed, you know, it's, it's more needed now than I think it ever was, um, ever has been. Um, I do want to ask one thing. Sure. Um, this is just kind of on a, on a tangent um, because, you know, you, you go back to manifestation and like you're, you're really grounded in, 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 in science and, and, and what's, and, and the knowledge that's been collected over the few years, you know, and I'm just kind of navigating out here. I'm just trying to make it happen. You know, uh, I, I, I've, I've I've, I've read a lot and that kind of thing. And, you know, writing has helped me and that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, part of the podcast, and I'm, I'm asking this, you know, somewhat selfishly, because it's just something that's been transformational in my own life of just, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's a story that I'm telling myself, you know, um, but at the same time, I, I feel that I can get into it. And I guess what I'm asking is, are, I, the, the constructive story, you know, like you, you talked about How do you create, well, like it's, it's just this manifestation. Like, like I believe that people can manifest the life that they want to have, right. Provided that they, you know, eliminate the things that are bad. So I can talk about and, that and from into. a straight line leadership position. I can talk about that from a quantum physics. Scenario. We can go a lot of different yeah, places. Yeah. That could be actually its own podcast. Yeah, it, it totally would be. Um, awesome, man. Uh, so I, I just want to get your take. Let's, let's go. go back to stress reduction just for real quick. And I okay. yeah. when we talk about meditation very specifically, mm -hmm. there's been three major waves of the empirical data on, on meditation where we started with mindfulness kind of 1979, John Kabat-Zinn. Right. And then around the two thousands, we have this self-compassion. Well, in the original mindfulness, self-compassion was a part of it, but we had a really large amount of data on uh, self-empathy, uh, compassion, loving kindness for self as well. We have this new kind of wave of meditation that is really showing amazing, promising results on how to meditate on emptiness or on space. In, in other words, from an aspect that we really truly are kind of a multi-dimensional, like we are energy. We know that we, like scientifically, we know that we're actually, like we are mostly, the atom is 0 .0, is 99.99999% space uh -huh. uh, energy wave okay and and the you know it's point zero 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 one particle of matter well what if you could imagine getting in touch with that within your body and go to a place of no mind 
no person, no, no here, no there, no, I mean, just a place of, so, and and a lot of people get confused with that in a way that it's like, well, yeah, but then I'd lose who I was. Well, no, if you're using it as a tool to just to zero point your neural system to where you're coming out of the story. Mm -hmm. And so if you, if you have all of this energy that is invested in the story, what happens if you practice a meditation every day that has no story? What happens to all that power? It comes back to you and, and you go into a place of wholeness within that type of meditation. And the, the science on this is really just blowing up. Dr. Joe Dispenza, I mean, it's it, the HeartMath Institute is tracking this where we have people that we're learning with epigenetics, the science of actually uh, using the signal of the consciousness to communicate to the genes on how they express mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. It's an, it's insane what we're learning that we actually have the ability to do. If you want to know more about that, please come to the workshop tomorrow night. Um, look up Dr. Joe Dispenza. That's another great, you know, tip to, he's got some amazing meditations for that because we're seeing that it actually is having a lot more effect on decreasing negativity than even mindfulness. And that's a big statement. And, and you're talking about like focusing on nothing. Is that what you said? <laughs> is that what you said? But you're, you're talking about like the nothingness of everything, right? Uh, it, Maybe this is to be continued. Yeah, this is totally to be continued. This is going to be a part we, two. Yeah, this, we don't yeah. want to lose people on this because this is really, really important that right. you're, you're just coming out of the story for a certain amount of time in your daily meditation. And, and of course, you can do a lot of different types of meditation. This is just one particular way of it, it's, it's, it's a tool that you can use right. in a very specific way that we now know has a lot of effect on creating heart coherence, brain coherence, where we're, we're literally sending a signal of wholeness throughout the body as opposed to one of incoherence. Like, and, and the best example I can give of that is when somebody starts to smoke for the first time. Mm-hmm. What's, the, what's the first reaction that you would have with smoking a cigarette for the first time? Coughing. Absolutely, because that is the coherent reaction to, to something that's yeah. disease, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. in other words, you have to override that with some behavior like, oh, this is cool or something in order to shift the polarity of that yeah. so that you now have an incoherent signal that you're accepting as coherent. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and so a lot of us are walking around with two different signals of coherent and incoherency of what we know about ourselves and what we feel about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so when you are able to use the power of the story, like if, if you're going to be lost in the story of suffering, fall in love with the divine of something. Why? Because like pick a story that's working for you, not one that's not working for you. Yeah. Right. Pick one that says I'm blessed and God loves me, you know, right. whatever, however that shows up for uh, you. Right. Right. You right. know, because it, it matters. It absolutely matters. The story that you got running. And so to, to meditate on nothing, on, on, on not being like me, not being Scott, mm-hmm. you know, not being a dad, not being like all these stories. Where we have all this stress and, and. Come find out more about how you use this constructively. We're not saying get rid of your identity. That's not what we're saying. Mm -hmm. We're saying, is there a tool that you can use daily that if you use it, neurons that fire together, wire together? And how much power of the story can you gain back if you spend a certain amount of time not being attached to that story? Oh, man. Yeah, I love it. It's like an intentional detachment just to propel you forward. Well said. Strong calm. <laughs> Scott, it's been an excellent conversation. Uh, strong calm indeed. I hope uh, you guys loved it uh, as much as I did. Um, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, all platforms, that kind of thing. Uh, strongmy.com if you want to stay tuned to what we've got going on, what I've got going on over here. And then definitely go see Scott, scottaustinmartin.com. 
um, is where you can find more information about him. Um, and then where, where else would you like to point people to? Uh, well, the, the scottelsonmartin.com is like coaching um, ET, uh, East Texas Stress Reduction Clinic, so etsrc.org is actually uh, for limited counseling here locally. Mm -hmm. uh, but Be Free Yoga Tyler is where the event is happening, and you can go to their Facebook for Be Free Yoga uh, Tyler and uh, find the link for those tickets. I think it's $69 for yeah. uh, three hours for an individual or $125 for a couple. Yeah. And and we, we want to give people real tools because not all counseling and not all methods of approaching counseling are, are equal. We want to talk about some Gottman. We want to talk about some motion focus couples here. We're going to talk about, you know, little Tony Robbins. We're going to talk about and give people some real tools that are proactive of what you can do to actually transform your relationship. Whether you're in a relationship, whether you're trying to attract something and you're looking to radiate that energy, whether you want to heal something, no matter where you're at, we want to, we want to show you some tools. Brilliant. There's, there's going to be a part two, I'm sure. All right. Thank you all so much for listening today and we'll see you soon.